All right, um, I, I do my best not to talk about uh, my days in NASCAR because it's been three years. And by the way, today's our anniversary. Did y'all know that? Three years ago today, we got to know each other for the first time. Forget the Super Bowl. We got something bigger to celebrate. Um, but I try not to talk about it just because you weren't there and, you know, you don't want to hear about it all the time. But I do have a story today that I need to bring you from NASCAR. Um, it is a story that I think you have heard before, but it's been a long time since I told it. Uh, so many of you missed it. And it, it happens to fit really well. So here's the story. Back when I first became uh, the chaplain of NASCAR, which is basically the pastor of NASCAR, guidance counselor, all this other stuff, um, I would hold, we would hold weekly worship services for drivers and other folks in the community and a few fans who would trickle in. Powerful worship service, about 30 minutes long. But the problem was I had a chronic nagging dilemma with these services. And the problem was this. Chapel immediately followed the driver's meeting, okay? And the driver's meeting was filled not only with drivers and NASCAR personnel, but it was filled with fans who paid a lot of money to get into that room. Um, there were always uh, professional athletes representing their sport that wasn't in season. There were politicians, always politicians, whatever state you were in, especially during a presidential election year. I mean, we got to see Mitt Romney, Sarah Palin, everybody made their way through. And, and you, you had, if that's not bad enough, you had movie stars. It seemed like whatever movie was about to open the following Friday, and here is the, you know, the, the star of the Transformers movie. Whoever was singing the national anthem, those music stars were there, or maybe they were doing a pre-race pre, uh, pre uh, you know, race party. And so what would happen is they would give the track rules every week, which took about seven to 15 minutes, answer questions about the track for the drivers. And then, then every week they would introduce these guests and then the meeting would end. And you can guess what happened. Every fan in that place surged forward, okay? They came up for autographs. They came up to high-five their, their, you know, their favorite driver, taking selfies with the rich and famous. And so, so I got this dilemma because the, the, the race day schedule is so tight. And I've got to do this chapel. I've only got 30 minutes. And I've got this traffic jam of human bodies. I need these people to either sit down and join us for church or leave the room. And it's, it was like six months of this and I'm just fighting for it. And finally, one day, it hit me. It was a revelation of the Spirit. I'm telling you, a revelation of the Spirit. I knew exactly what to do to clear the room. So I walked over, grabbed a mic, picked it up, turned it on, and I made an announcement. And the announcement was, hey folks, in three minutes, we are going to start a church service. Y'all, there was a literal stampede of about half the room to get out, to, to just get out of there. And so finally, you know, those people left. Everybody sits down who's remaining. Some other folks come in. And I made the joke to everybody. I said, you know, nothing clears a room like announcing a worship service. And everybody laughed. Um, so why do I tell you that today? I tell you that today because today's theme tends to have the same effect on many people when they discover what we're gonna talk about. Um, this morning, we are talking about tithes and offerings, okay? Giving money in church. Oh my gosh! 
Okay, now for the non-clappers, or those of you who clapped insincerely, um, this, this topic honestly brings out the inner ug in us. And it doesn't bring out the inner ug because we're a bunch of miserly Scrooges. It brings out the ug because so many of us have heard so many sermons about tithes and offerings, okay? And, and typically, these, service, uh, these sermons go in one of two directions, okay? The first direction they usually go is the PBS fund drive direction. Anybody watch PBS during pledge drive, right? It's like, here's five minutes of, the, of your favorite show in the whole world. You know, the three tenors, la, gee, la, and right when they get going, right? Right when they get going. And in mid-sentence, now it's time, 20 minutes of begging for money, Right? And then they give you seven more minutes of the three tenors, and then another 30 minutes. Of, uh, and, oh, and then by the way, they also, I don't have a CD up here. Then they really try to entice you. Hey, here's, here's a $4 CD. You know, if you'll give $150, we'll even give this to you. But we've been in places where we hear sermons, and it's just like, oh my gosh, I will give my teeth if you just stop begging for money. So that's one kind of sermon. And then there's the other kind of financial giving sermon, which is the old guilt trip, right? The old guilt trip. And it's incredible because he gets going, right? The pastor gets going. And it's just one of these sermons that feels like it will never end. That pew that you were sitting on, you know, which is nicely contoured to, to you know, to, to, to fit well and to bring maximum cover, co uh, comfort from a piece of wood, right? Suddenly, it turns into a cold slab of marble, right? It's granite. And then for, instead of 30 minutes, he really gets wound up, and it's like 45 minutes to an hour of how every one of you hear how you are in God's doghouse. Those tend to be the two sermons. Now, so my point is this. We're not taking a guilt trip today, okay? I'm not going to preach, manipulate, make you feel bad today. Instead, what I want to do is go to the Word of God for some life-giving information on giving and, um, and some encouragement. So let's get started. Tithing. Are y'all ready? And you know the pressure's really on you guys today? Because if this is bad, you're, I mean, your faces are going to show it. So <laughs> keep the lights dim on the choir. Okay, here we go. When it comes to tithing, the first thing we have to understand is not everybody is clear on tithing, all right? I'll give you an example. When Jane and I, wherever she is, we planted a church in rural North Carolina in 1999, um, 16, 17 years ago, and this church was in the country, okay? I mean, we're talking the sticks. So one day this guy, a very rural gentleman, walks up to me at the end of the sermon. And he goes, Pastor, you'd be a uh, preacher, actually. Preacher? You'd be proud of me today because I finally, I finally paid my church dues. When it comes to tithing, tithing is not paying your dues, okay? It's not a membership fee. It's not paying off God. Tithing, just the word itself, means literally 10%, okay? It is a, literally, a literal 10% giving back to God of all that we have. Now, here's where it comes from. In the Old Testament, tithing for, for the giver back then, it was both a sacrifice and it was an offering to God. Now, here's the sacrifice part. The sacrifice part is that it was literally 10% of your holdings, 10% of your earnings. Now, back then you're talking about an agriculturally-based economy, uh, livestock-based economy. And, and so for them, it was literally giving back 10% 
of their crops and, and or, or their, uh, their cattle, produce, whatever it is. And it was a sacrifice because this had real value for the giver. I mean, you think about your own bank account. Is there any value to you in your bank account? So there is a sacrifice. It's, it's, it's a portion of your best. It's, it's uh, uh, a portion of that. So, but it was also an offering. These sacrifices were giving as a grateful acknowledgement to God. It was saying, God, you know what? I recognize that everything I have, everything I have came from you. So Lord, I give back now 10% to you. And we often use the word gift when it comes to tithing. That, that captures it beautifully. It really is as if we are offering a present back to God. So the temple back then gets these tithes and offerings. What in the world do they do with them, right? I mean, what, what does the church do with them today? We're not a bank, right? I mean, back then, the, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not a, you know, a produce market. So what do they do? Tithes were used in the Old Testament for really a couple of things. First of all, they were used to provide for those that God had called into full-time ministry, and they were used to help the displaced, orphans, and widows. Let me give you a verse. Deuteronomy 14, 28 and 29. Bring your tithes, jump ahead a little bit, so that the Levites or priests, foreigners, the fatherless and widows may come and eat and be satisfied. And again, that speaks to the nature of what a tithe was. So tithes and offerings were literally, literally used to show the love of God and the goodness of God to these people. Tithing was a very practical and dynamic part of the, of the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, it is pretty cool. Okay. It, it, trust me. It carried over, though, from the Old Testament into the New Testament. The same heart of this, and I'll, I'll give you a passage. Acts 4, 32 through 35. It says there, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. Wow. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So what do you see right off the bat with the first church? Tithing or giving financially doesn't disappear with the Old Testament. It is, and I would argue from that passage, it is a very dynamic part of the very first church. And it's pretty much used the same way. To, to provide for those called into full-time ministry and for those with great need. I'll give you a couple of passages. Speaking to the need, again, Acts 2, 44 through 45, uh, a summary really of Acts 4. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14, speaking about ministers, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel or from the church. So we got that, right? Biblically, old and new. What about us? What about KPC? What do we do with tithes and offerings? I'll give you a short list. 
And I'll say this first. Tithing still goes to pretty much the same place to fund the work of ministry. Few examples. Your tithing goes to things like high school, middle school, men and women's retreats. It goes to missions trips like this year. Buffy, I won't list them all but because you got so many. Uh, the Bahamas, Ghana, Kentucky, uh, Colombia. You think of the Prakashas whom we all love so much. Your tithes and offerings go to support them in their evangelistic ministry. Uh, it goes to support international missionaries. Uh, you'll like to hear this one. Christian discipleship is also funded by tithes and offerings. Resources, materials. This year, the hiring of a new discipleship pastor, which we'll do together. Uh, it goes to fund weekly food outreach and evangelism to the Geneva Mobile Home Park, but also a little thing called the food pantry. And if y'all check the numbers on the food pantry, and sometimes I have to have double checks on the, on the food pantry. I'm like, come on, we can't really be serving that many people. We literally help feed. You literally help feed thousands yearly. Thousands. And you, re you really should applaud yourselves. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, we also have fellowships events like the one that we listed tonight, the Super Bowl, uh, things like Family Fellowship Day, Church Picnic. Here's something else we do quite often that we don't broadcast. We, we help people too with bills and crisis needs. Um, I see Michael back there. He's one of the deacons. The deacons actually have created a, a forum, a format for being able to receive requests, find out for people who are in need. We actually help a lot of people out and we don't broadcast it. Um, tithes pay the salaries and benefits of your ministry staff, of your pastors. Uh, they will also help us again call that new pastor. They help train our staff. Um, there are practical things around the church that you don't often see like a Financial software, you know, that's not a real big thing we talk about a lot. You know, it just doesn't really stir you, but I tell you, it's really helpful. Replacing things like air conditioners, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and then finally, I'll, I'll just bring up one other thing that we're all aware of, if this isn't our first Sunday. As you look around at KPC, we got a building that needs a lot of love, you know, and we need to show our love for the building. So you, you'll have opportunities to do that. So these are ways that we use your tithes and offerings. But I love something Scott Walter brought up last week when he said, we as a church, we tithe as well. It's not just that we say, hey, you tithe, we tithe. This year in the budget, 10.6% of what you give goes right back into missions. And next year, the plan, because faith is involved here, the plan next year is to go ahead and move that on up to 15%. Yeah. So the point is, I believe we, we can honestly say, man, we're trying to be as faithful as we can with your tithes and offerings. So that's what tithes, that's what tithes are. That's what they're used for. But you might ask a question at this point. And the question is a one-worder. Why? Why do we need to do this? In light of scriptures like Psalm 50.10, why do we need to tithe? Uh, Psalm 50.10 says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So wh why is he so interested in me giving some of my money back to him? I could answer that in a hundred different ways at least. Please don't challenge me on that right now. I could, but let me, let me just give you the bottom line, okay? Here's why. Because he is king he is Lord, he is God. 
And he has dictated that this is how his kingdom works. God chose to set it up this way. He has chosen to grow his kingdom in this way. And so that's why for us in scripture all over the place, tithing comes as both a command and it also comes as an invitation. It's something God tells us to do, but it's also something God invites us to do. But in both ways, what God is doing is he's saying, look, I want you to join me fully in what I'm doing down here. I want you to be involved even in this way. So again, it's God, it, it's God inviting us in to be participants. And that's why for the church and most churches, tithing is an act of worship. It's something we do in the service and it's one way that we praise and we rejoice in God. All right, so that's why it's there. Now having said all that, tithing can still be scary. Giving hard-earned money can be kind of frightening for us. You know, we could all say, you know what, I got, I got a wife, I got a life, I have bills, I have emergencies, I have children. Parents, does that ever, has that ever cost you at all to have children, right? I mean, I got all this. Listen, tithing can be scary. I understand that. God understands that. And that's why in Scripture we find God daring us. We find God enticing us. In fact, in Malachi 3.10, God says to us, come on and test me in this. I want you put me to the test when it comes to your financial giving. I gave to you, now you give back to me, and I want you to watch what happens when you give. And we might say, well, God, what are you talking about here? Let me finish Malachi 3.10, or give it to you in full. Malachi 10 says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, that's not me going all prosperity on y'all today, right? Okay, this is God himself saying, I will bless you. I will bless your socks off when you give. Jesus, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, press down, Shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it's going to be measured right back to you. Do you does anybody feel encouraged? I mean, it, it's a little enticing, isn't it? Now, is God promising to turn us all into Rockefellers, you know, into the great Gatsby's, into, into, you know, hey, I'm like Bill Gates all of a sudden. I have seen God do, you know, I've seen him work like this and give back to people financially. That's not the point. It's not a guarantee he will do that, but I'll tell you one thing, it is a guarantee that God will bless us substantially, big time, spiritually, to where we look back and we go, you know what, this has been scary, but I'm not disappointed. God, you have never let me down in this area. So, so the point is this, this is a test worth taking, all right? You, you don't even have to study for this test, all right? This is a test worth taking. But understand this, even, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, brother. Even though, when it comes to tithing, even though it is money from your pocket given to the Lord, even though it is an act of obedience, a command, and you obeying God, even though it's an invitation that you and I are saying yes to, even though it is connected to real spiritual blessing, tithing 
is never to be a source of pride for us. I don't know if you've ever known <laughs> those folks who love to drop their tithing statistics. You ever met them? You know, they're, they're the same people that drop names all the time. You know, the plate comes and it's like, oh yes, here it is. It is tithing time. Here is my tithe, my 10% right there in the plate. Crisp new bills. Just printed them on the, no, I didn't just print them off. But you know, they, they do that. They, they just let us know. And, and they're, they're really folks like the Pharisee in Luke 18, 12. You remember that situation? The Pharisee has this attitude in Luke 18 of, God, you are so lucky to have me in the kingdom. You know, God, you, you're really lucky. I mean, you chose well. And I, I fast twice, twice a week. I, I tithe my 10%. Here it is, Lord. He's got this attitude. But at the very same time, he's rejoicing in himself. He's looking down his nose at another person he doesn't think is worthy in the church. And he illustrates a very clear point for us. And the point is that, look, pride destroys the heart of giving. Pride destroys, you know, if I get up here proud and preach, you know, out of my pride, if we do anything, but even if we give in pride, it destroys the heart of what tithing is all about. And that just points us back to one simple thing. Tithing is all about the heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. I love this one. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly. You know, reluctantly is, oh, man, <laughs> can't let the play go around. Oh, there you go. That's reluctantly. Or out of compulsion. Compulsion is, oh, my gosh, okay. I'll, I'll, honey, give me my wallet, anything, you know, just to take the pressure off. Don't give either way, but give what you've decided in your heart. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. That is the heart of tithing. Giving to God is always meant, financially, is always meant to, be, to come from a place of love and a place of thankfulness. It is a grateful acknowledgement that God has provided and he, he's even allowing us to give back. It, it's a way of us saying, you know what, Lord? You are Lord. You are Lord in all things in my life, even in money things. It's all about the heart. But you know what? It's not just about your heart. It's also about the heart of your leadership. The same thing I just said about the heart and giving also applies to the church that is receiving your tithes and offerings. You know, I can't, well, I, I won't say that. I can tell you. And I will tell you this morning how much it grieves me whenever I hear that a church not only keeps track of tithes and offerings, which they have to do, we got to do that, but they keep track of people's giving, and then they turn around and they use that information against people. I've been, y'all was in a church like this before, and you'd hear stuff like, you know what, I'm going to tell you something, you cannot join this church unless you have given your 10%. You are not, you, you may not be eligible for leadership unless you are current on your giving. And let me tell you something we're watching. We are checking you out. Y'all, I believe that breaks the heart of God when it comes to giving. We, we've all heard pastors do this before. You know, get up and say stuff like, I'm gonna tell you something, if you don't put your money in the plate, God will take it out of you and your family in doctor bills. Oh, you know, so reach into your jeans and pull out your greens, right? I mean, we've heard this kind of stuff. And listen, I've talked to some of that leadership and I hear the rationale, here's why we do it. But it's still heartbreaking to hear about a church walking in stuff like this. 
Because God never called church leadership or the church to be big brother when it comes to your money. A financial watchdog, an arm-twisting Gestapo. Even when the needs are great, even when people aren't doing their part. Why? Because giving is about the heart. It is a heart response from the giver to the one who gave, and the church cannot ever lose sight of that. Finally, I'll say this when it comes to giving. There is no formula for how to give. Regularly really helps us. I would submit that it might help you in light of monthly budgeting. But, uh, you know, giving can be as unique as the giver. I have a, a, a good friend, my brother-in-law. He, he tithes. <laughs> he tithes once a year. And you might think, well, that's weird. Why does he do it once a year? Here's why Dave does once a year. Dave, Dave does once a year because he takes so much joy in writing one gigantic check to the church. And for him, he turns the whole thing into a worship event. For him, it's one of the biggest days of the year when he gives all back to the Lord. It, it's phenomenal for him. Jane and I tithe a little differently than a lot of people do. We actually tithe in cash. And you might say, well, why do you tithe in cash? Well, because I don't want the bookkeeper. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that. We, we tithe in cash for this reason because for us, this was a conviction that hit us years ago, um, tithing is not a charitable tax write-off for us. We want to give it all to the Lord. We don't want any of it back. And so we don't even keep record. But, but the point is this, whether you do it Dave's way, whether you do it our way, whether you do it every week, the point is this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty to be unique, liberty to give the way you give in a way that just, just feels right to you. And I believe that applies, and I'm going to tread lightly, this is not an elder-approved statement, okay? I believe that even applies to the 10% as well. I believe 10%, oh gosh, I'm really, Jane, help me out of here. I believe 10% is actually a biblical suggestion, okay? And here's why. Because if 10% is it, right? Then it certainly doesn't allow us to do a whole lot more because that's the rigid end of the matter, right? Look at the first church. They are so far beyond 10%. It's ridiculous. So let's go ahead and knock down that side of the limit. The, the, the other side is this. Uh, it comes out of, out of 2 Corinthians 9, 7 where it says, each one of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart. Okay, I, I believe there's some choice involved here. I have known a lot of people that were so terrified over giving, so not ready for 10%. They said, you know, Lord, here's all I'm ready for. I'll try and test you. I'm going to start at 2%. I'm going to give from the heart. Next thing you know, you turn around, and these guys are giving 15 20%. So the point is this. I don't think we need to be so rigid about tithing. 10% is a great standard. 10% is a great place to start. Or if you've never given, to at least begin to work up to that. But the point is this. I encourage you today to pray, to pray to seek the Lord on your giving. I encourage you to do it from the heart unto the Lord. Step in to the joy of giving financially and watch what happens in your life. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen in your life, but I will tell you this, you won't be disappointed. My dream is this. I dream that one day it can be said of the American church and of KPC that we are generous, just like the first church. And I think you guys are well on your way. I think we are as a church. 
I would love for people to look at us and say, you know what, when I see that church, there are no needy people among them. There aren't even any needy people around them. KPC is truly a church that is, is not only fueled by the love of God, but it's really funded by the love of God. How does that sound to you? Yeah. Amen.